0: I'm good, it's nice to meet you. You know, your
1: legend precedes you. Hello. Well, Um, congratulations on the British Blacklist. You're the founder. Yes, I'm the founder. Um, Thank you very much. It's been fun. It's been crazy. Thank you very much. Um, Lots of work to do still though. Yeah. You know, congratulations. Beating everyone in this global application to be at the top seat of Sundance is pretty huge. Um, Why did you go for the role in the first place?
0: I think all through my career, I've been really compelled by the power of the independent voice. Um, You know, even at the BBC, Mm. through, I shouldn't say even at the BBC, but at the BBC, Channel 4, certainly Film 4, and now at Sundance, prior to this, I ran the um, documentary film programme. So this just like, I'm both compelled by what people, filmmakers, artists have to say about the world, what they notice and make meaning from. And then with the festival, that is the most potent expression for 10 days at the beginning of the year, to draw attention to the independent voice, what people are thinking, saying, how they're resonating with the world, And, you know, who is the talent emerging to make sense of all this as we grapple with being alive? So that's why I love it. Whatever I get out of bed for, which is the kind of cultural effect
1: of the independent voice, the festival is the way that one can really put it to work. People, when I speak to them, it's like Sundance, Sundance, Sundance. What is it that's so special about Sundance and its legacy and what it it means to independent filmmakers?
0: You know, it's nearly 40 years old now. Robert Redford founded the Institute in 1981, and it was about providing an alternative. Then it was about providing an alternative to the studio system. So it was about freedom of creative expression. People who had something to to say, wanted to get their work made, but the structures were not allowing that. And then through that, the voices that were able to, to be supported and amplified, and then a few years later exhibited through the festival, added something to the culture. The independent film movement kind of brought voices that had been placed in the margins more towards the center. And that was an enrichment. So I just think there's a community that has been built around independent
1: film and the independent voice, which is vibrant now. It's this thing between being commercially successful and going the studio route, as you mentioned, and then independent being cool, risque, niche, and things like that. But by default, I think black, especially from the British black perspective, black filmmakers automatically fall into the category of indie, niche, risky. And I wonder how do people who are kind of stuck in that space of being independent, look towards the commercial? And how did, how did, where is the sweet spot in the middle? Because I, I feel like there's a bit of a snobbery as well, but also a cool calling card with having an indie film and being part of that indie set. and yeah not aspiring to be a studio person, but at the end of the day if you're default in that indie lane because your heritage, your race or your gender holds you back from going into the commercial space. How do we reconcile that? I think it's a great question.
0: I think anything that is a form of constraint because of one's race, gender, whatever it might be, religion, that is a bad thing. I am happy and proud and super comfortable to be in the, the indie space because it is an invitation to challenge orthodoxies Mm. to resist dominant narratives i love that and it's not about for me it's a freedom of you want certainly both when i was making work but also now supporting artists making work there's a freedom not to have to chase the market but to try and expand the market to recognize different perspectives Mm. forms of storytelling and so on but to your point you know i think if you look at someone like What I really like is the journey that someone like Ryan Coogler has taken, making a very indie, only he could have made Fruitvale Station, his perspective, his values and his kind of cinematic voice. He made that through being at places like the Sundance Film Festival where and other places where people could see him, see his work, see the quality. Then he could go on to make Creed. Then he could, you know, ultimately go on to make Black Panther while carrying those independent values and the way he runs a set to that to a massive global audience still with complexity and nuance even in a franchise series and Ava DuVernay you know the same there aren't many Taika Waititi the list is way too small but the list is getting longer and people like Ava just opening the door having a distribution company using her voice to bring more people in is I mean, that's kind of how it happens, as well as people of colour or just from a multiplicity of perspectives need to be in the position of handing out resources, um, whether that's, you know, cinematic real estate or funding, because so much of this comes down to trust. Who is trusted to tell stories? Who is trusted with big budgets? Who is trusted to break the form? And for too often, it has not been people who aren't uh, men yeah. and people who are white so that's the thing but it feels like it's happening but it's still too slowly
1: I mean it, it's always going to be slowly when you're in, in the crux of it trying to get something made of being told no I mean there's such a resurgence of this conversation now on the back of the lockdown on the back of the black yeah. Lives Matter. And people you know it, we, though we as black people have been screaming forever that we're being brutalized and marginalized and held back it took George Floyd and more to maybe kind of really wake people up. But I mean you were, like you mentioned BBC and Channel 4 back when you were there. How have you seen the improvement? Because you said there is some change and it is moving slowly but comparing, because I, th- I feel like Channel 4 used to be the mecca of um, diversity for Black creatives and everyone be like, oh god, go to Channel 4, forget everywhere else. But I think it's also suffered along with um, BBCs and and the ITVs and wider with their understanding or trusting, as, the, as you mentioned, black creators of the narrative, but what was it like back then being in your position? And how do you feel, even though it's mm-hmm. TV, but I know you're in a different space.
0: I absolutely, I mean, the BBC was this kind of aspiration and, and it was, you know, first job in television. It was a, it was extraordinary. You know, I was thought the BBC is this iconic, yeah place and that people go in and out of the BBC but the BBC is the BBC with yeah. Channel 4 much smaller and with a different remit still public service it felt like Channel 4 just is the sum of the people who were there at that particular moment so constantly constantly changing there was a liberation at Channel 4 even the values of when I was there it was make trouble do it first inspire change it was mm-hmm. like whoa that's what we get paid to do and it felt like that to a certain extent. There was always, of course, the even when I was there, was Channel Four was better in the in the old days, and there mm-hmm. was a kind of their crazy, creative, not anarchy, but a freedom there. It seemed from looking at the schedules. But even when you had Mahabharata, you had Mini Pops. So it's like it was always balancing that kind of populism. Oh, I used to always want to be on Mini Pops. Oh my god. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, but I think you know even recently we are we are absolutely in a moment of accountability and reckoning now in a way that is exciting mm. um, and people are literally putting on their their bodies on the line to uh, to push that forward but even I think it was a couple of years ago, just seeing the gender equity things play out at the BBC and at channel Four, pay equity, mm. understanding that the the salary differential even in places as progressive as Channel 4 needed to be addressed, which they did, it was like, okay, it kind of sucks that that was going on for so long, but at least there is this accountability going on. I don't think I'm being overly optimistic, and I do recognize that this is a process that has taken way too long to be put on the table, but it kind of feels there's no going back. I mean, Sundance is an inst- institution dealing with how we, hold ourselves to account and are held to account by artists in this moment. We haven't seen it before and it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying because Adewale Agbajo made Farming, and he was supported by Sundance while citing that UK funding bodies failed him and institutions failed him and it took him a long time to get this his story, which I thought was, I really championed because it was my story as well, this piece of British history that had not been told before but yet The fact that whoever Ade was taking his story to didn't recognize that this was an important piece of history, not just for black people, but for white people. But yet Sundance and get that support, you know, and black people are trying to tell their stories a lot more in the UK, a lot more. How are you being a Brit, especially being in this position, um, support British black indie filmmakers via Sundance and Sundance London? Is there any, I mean, I guess you can't just focus on the British black people solely, but is there any kind of space within Sundance London?
0: You know, Sundance London is a wonderful thing. And I think this year there's been a vibrant community growing up in two ways. Firstly, our collab program, which is the kind of artist to artist platform, which is about artist development that you can find online. Most of it is free. There's an incredibly vibrant community that's grown up on that platform, sharing work incredible advisor presentations developing and they're kind of doing it in real life meetups so this year at Sundance London there'll be another collab meetup and you should really check out that that site for the resources and so that's how there's a kind of uh, momentum building up there and then there's we also run an ignite program which is from 18 to 25 year olds so again just getting people together and working and for it to be visible to Sundance and understanding who's who's coming up, making the work, that's great. I mean, I think the responsibility, and even when you said the industry over there was not paying attention to the stories like farming, I feel it very strongly that the industry isn't a monolith, but there is a structural problem with who are the individuals that have the power and the resources to, de- to deploy So it's that there aren't enough individuals who might recognize the importance of that story. That certainly can be the case at Sundance too. Just what are our blind spots? So it's about, again, just trying to make sure who's in the room when these decisions are made, giving ourselves as institutions the possibility of not making bad decisions because we're just not getting what people are, are saying. I'm not saying that very coherently, but... No, I get it. It is about individuals and individuals make up a structure. So it yeah. feels like you have to start at the top with the values and then make sure you're delivering on them by
1: who you're hiring. And you're in the position. And so, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> it's, you. it's all on you now. I mean, you yeah. are the first black woman and woman to take this position, which also means. And Brit. Are, and oh, Brit. And which also means there are three women running Sundance um, to mention Kerry Putnam, Chief, Chief Executive and Executive Director of Sundance Institute and Kim Yutani, who has been the festival's programming director. So can you separate the need for the industry to diversify from feeling like it's a tokenistic gesture from believing that you should be in this position? And I don't mean to undermine it at all, but yeah, yeah. times when you get into these positions like we do have to consider is it because I'm a woman, is it because I'm black? Is it, what are the elements that separate? Because of course you're deserving and you must be in this position, but how do you reconcile it? Or how did, did you reconcile it when you got the yes? It's such an interesting question. I wish you had more than two minutes.
0: I want to go back to Channel 4, actually, because the way I'd been making films, making TV, and Channel 4 had a commissioner's scheme for commissioners of colour, commissioning editors, which was actually, for me, a game changer, even though I resisted it for a couple of years. I did not want to go into Channel 4 on a special scheme for people oh. who looked like I looked, because my resistance was this is not really diversity because I went to the same university as all those people, we read the same papers, we go to the, we all get our meat from the ginger pig or whatever it is. Why do you think this is diversity? Was my kind of RC response to their kind offer. Um, And then eventually I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna go in and learn a lot about how the system works and kind of smuggle it out to my filmmaker friends. I ended up being there for seven years But for the certainly for the first two or three complete imposter syndrome, thinking people think I'm only here because, you know, I'm half Nigerian and maybe even I think I'm only here because I'm half Nigerian. So it takes a long time to get over that. And then you realize through talking to people, it matters. However you feel about not being essentialized, it matters symbolically about you being in the room and being in a position where You can hold the door open and you can empower people to think, oh, maybe I can. Maybe I can be a person who is given resources to deploy in that way. So that was really important. And I'm not going through the same thing at Sundance because it wasn't a a specific scheme. And just the Channel 4 experience was amazing. And... um, I now totally see why that works. And one of the reasons it was amazing is because it wasn't a, to go on a diversity scheme to be trained to be a commissioning editor. Like the lack was with me. It was, here's a job. The lack is with us at Channel 4, here's a job. So um, I think that's a very key thing in the approach. At Sundance, no matter how I wrestle with my identities and the labels that are put on me, woman of color, queer, Brit, None of that defines me for me, but all of those things represent things to other people yeah. for whom it is empowering. And there really is, you know, the US has a different racialized history to the UK. And so it is meaningful to some that when they look at me on a stage that that's what they see so identity is complicated okay. representation and equity is not complicated so I have just gotta get over myself and like there's a job to be done here and there's a responsibility so have your little identity crisis <laughs> off
1: stage So okay. thank you very much and you are inspiring so thank you very much No,
0: <laughs> oh, you're so kind you are too it's really lovely to talk to you